after Peter's confession, when he confessed Jesus is Lord, in Caesarea Philippi, this was the most northern part of the Holy Land. Jesus set out as a pilgrim towards Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. He was journeying towards the temple in the holy city, towards the place where the people of God met with God, the temple. He was journeying towards making and celebrating this feast of the Passover, the memorial of Israel's exit out of Egypt and how God birthed them with this with their identity and with his presence at Mount Sinai. He knew what awaited him. He knew where he was going. He knew that he was creating a new Passover. He was going to be the sacrificial lamb that was slain. He knew that in the mysterious gifts of the bread and the wine, he would create this new Passover. It was a new path of liberation for us. And that's why for us, the cross has so much meaning. He was making his way to the heights of the cross. That's what he was doing on Palm Sunday when he was heralded as the great coming king. What Jesus was doing was he was surrendering. We think of it as a lot of cheering, and there was, and there was a lot of welcoming, and there was, but what was Jesus doing? So I want to talk to you today about that. I want to talk to you about surrendering. Now, I know that that might not be um, I don't know, very exciting in our culture. We talk about surrendering. We've kind of been talking about this all year, about how is it that we, as created in the image of God, people live a life where we are saying yes to God. How do you live a life under the control of God, under the kingdom of God? How is it that we live a life that's pleasing to God in the will, in the will of God? And I would say to you that it's counterculture, that it is by surrendering to him, the king, living in his kingdom. Now, I know that because he surrendered to the will of God, we know that on that Palm Sunday, he was surrendering, and that, for many people, is an, kind of an unpopular word, disliked almost in some circles. It evokes sort of an unpleasant image, doesn't it? An image sort of like uh, admitting defeat in battle, or possibly that even to use popular vernacular, 
I mean, who wants to be a loser? It implies losing. It implies forfeiting a game. It implies yielding to a stronger opponent. The word almost always has a negative connotation, surrender. In today's competitive culture, especially, we are taught to never give up and never give in. So you don't hear much about surrendering. Even you heard from me last week, talking to you, one of my constant, uh, I, I just, I constantly am feeling this sense of wanting to encourage you to never give up, to, to, to keep following the Lord, to keep the Lord. And so sometimes, even as I talk about this surrendering, you might be thinking, this is unthinkable, I don't surrender. We'd rather talk about winning or succeeding or overcoming or uh, conquering than yielding or words like submitting and obeying. Surrender is at the heart of following Jesus, though. There's no more graphic, um, really, picture than when Jesus came on a donkey and not a horse. When Jesus came into the city on Palm Sunday, he was not on a big white stallion horse. He's on a donkey. He was coming not in war. He was coming in peace. It symbolized his coming in surrender, not victory. He came voluntarily to surrender his life. That was what was going on. He came as the Passover lamb to make atonement for them with God. And the crowd recognizes Jesus they laid their coats on the ground. That's another illustration of surrender. When they laid their coats on the ground, they were surrendering to him. Surrender is that supernatural response to God's love and his mercy. We give ourselves to him, not out of fear or duty, but because he loved us. And true worship is a response to God. Taking up the cross, dying to self, yielding to the Spirit. And so today, I want to talk to you about this surrender. Surrendering. There are three things that will keep you from surrendering to God. Three things. There are probably a lot more than this, but I just, for the time we have here, we use three of them. The first thing that will keep you from surrendering to God is fear. Being afraid. And the question is, can I trust God in my life? Because see, some of you are married and you've lived maybe part of your life not considering the things of God. Maybe it is you didn't grow up in a Christian home or maybe it is here you've, you're like inoculated from the true faith. Maybe you've heard enough about it to make you cold-hearted. I want to encourage you today this question of, can I trust God? It's not a new question. Look at Luke 19, verse 37. We look at this triumphant entry, and we see that it had mixed reviews because the leaders, the religious leaders, were afraid of what God was doing. Look at verse 37. 
as he was drawing near Jesus, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen. They had seen so many incredible things, miracles, so many mighty things that God had done. And Jesus is, the word of Jesus is spreading. And so they say, blessed is he who come. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. They're a little too excited. They're a little too passionate. Don't you hear what they're saying? They're saying he's the king. And Jesus answered them saying, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. The Pharisees wanted Jesus to rebuke his disciples for the fear that what would happen? Maybe it was a riot. Maybe it was that this would get out of hand and it threatened them for a multitude of reasons. They were all worked up about this. Some of the people were crying out, as Holly was illustrating, save now, save now, this is the time, this is it. We need a savior. We've lived under Roman rule for so long. You're the one to help us. And Jesus saw beyond that. But the Pharisees were afraid. And this is, when you think about this, the same question. Can I trust God in this situation? And that will keep you. If you're, if you're so afraid or if you have fear in your life, that will keep you from submitting and surrendering to God. Maybe you also have that where you're asking that question, can I trust God in my life? Can I trust God? True, trust is essential to, it's the key ingredient for surrender. Trust. You have to trust. You won't surrender to God unless you trust him. And you can't trust him until you know him more. Fear keeps us from surrendering. But Paul says, love casts out all fear. The more you realize how much God loves you, and that's why I started at the cross today. May the cross be a reminder of how much God loves you. May it be that God has brought you even to this point in your life to hear the good news as a reminder that God loves you. And when you know how much God loves, how do you know God loves you? There are many evidences, not only the cross, but also that he gave you the capacity for to enjoy the blessings of life. He has good plans for you. He forgives you. He is lovingly patient with you. God loves you infinitely more than you can imagine. God proves his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the good news. And if you want to know how much you matter to God, look to the cross. Perfect love casts out fears. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, we read, Paul writes, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, 
if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. Can I trust God? The truth is, yes, you can, because he loves you. Don't let fear hold you back. The second thing, obstacle, the second barrier for you surrendering to God is pride. Pride. When you struggle with pride and you're afraid of what other people think or you're, you yourself think you know better, you think that you've got it together, you're somebody, so many times we, we say, you, people might say, you need Jesus, you need Jesus. And a lot of people are going, for what? What do I need Jesus for? And I want to encourage you today, many people, you might be one of those people that pride keeps you from surrendering. Well, let's look at Luke 19. We'll look at verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, Jesus wept over it. Jesus wept over this city. And he said this, would that you, even you, in other words, the people of God, the people who were brought out of Egypt and are known as the people of God. He's saying, even you had known this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the day will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in from every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Would you, even you, had known the things that make for peace? Some of you here today want to talk about other things other than the most important thing in the world. And that is that we are dead in our own sin. But while we were sinners, Christ died for us and he gives us new life, eternal life in him. I'm wanting to preach to you about the most important thing. And so much in our culture, my great temptation is that I just preach like TV shows do. Up with people. Be positive. Your best life now. Here's your problem. If your best life is now, that means you're going to hell. Because heaven is awesome. And so I want to encourage you by talking to you about the most important things. And Jesus wept over a city that didn't want, didn't even know the visitation didn't understand the most important things. And so I encourage you today, pride might keep you, your own pride, I know better. I know what needs to happen. I'm the exception. I wanna encourage you. At the end of your life, 
What will you do with your sin? We owe Jesus everything because he took, he bore our sins on the cross. They were arrogant and proud. The majority of people rejected Jesus because they didn't think they needed saving the way Jesus, and that made Jesus weep. And the question is not, here's the, here's the point to this, because this is very prevalent in our culture right now. The point is not, is God on our side? The point is, are we on God's side? That's the point. So many people want to talk about, oh, I've got God's blessing and God's on my side of this. Let me, you ought to be concerned on whether you're on God's side. Here's the third thing, and that is you see on Palm Sunday a lot of confusion. And in the middle of all this confusion, there's this question, how can I know God? Verse 32, so we'll reread some of this, but I want to give you this whole context. Verse 32 through 38. So those who were sent away and found it as he had told them. So Jesus had told them to go and find and untie this donkey, this colt. In our version, it says colt. Uh, and, they, and Jesus had told them, go and, and, and then, as they, verse 33. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, as the Lord had told them, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as they rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near already on the way down to the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. There was confusion there because there was a mixture of ignorance and pride and prejudice. Many are unwilling to become followers of Jesus because they misunderstand Jesus. Paul says, your attitude, what does it mean to surrender our lives to God? Paul says, your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. See, we, we can look at this and you ask the thing. You ask in your life, you say, you say uh, what would Jesus do? Well, we don't really have to ask what would Jesus do. We have to, all we have to look at is just what did Jesus, what did he do? What did Jesus do on Palm Sunday? What did he do this holy week? What did he do? He surrendered his life as a ransom for sin. That's what was happening here. Surrendering to God, listen, surrendering to God is not passive resignation, kind of fatalism, excuse for laziness. It's not accepting the status quo. It's really the exact opposite. God often calls surrendered people to do battle for him but you have to be surrendered to him. God has not wasted your mind either that he gave you. God does not want robots to serve him. Surrendering is not repressing your personality either. God wants you to be unique in all and how he created you. C.S. Lewis observed this. He said, the more we let God take 
take us over, the more truly ourselves we become because he made us. He invented all the different people that you and I were intended to be. It is when I turn to Christ, when I give up myself to his, to his personality that I first began to have a real personality of my own. And surrendering is the best demonstration of obedience. You say, yes, Lord, to whatever he wants from you. And so today, I wanna to tell you, to say no, Lord, is a contradiction. To say no, Lord, is a contradiction. You can't say that together. You can say no, and you can say Lord, but you can't say those together because that's a contradiction. Surrendered people obey God, even if it's not convenient at the moment. It is adjusting your life to God when he speaks. And it is another aspect of being fully surrendered to Christ is trusting him completely. Abraham followed God's leading without knowing where it was going. Mary expected a miracle without knowing how it was going to work out. Joseph trusted God's purpose without knowing the circumstances and everything that happened. Each of these people surrendered to God. You, you, you know when you rely and trust God, even in the face of sometimes it doesn't make sense to the rest of the world, and even though you're in the minority, and even though not everybody's doing it the same way, you trust God and you surrender your life to Christ. Paul wrote to the Philippians again in chapter two, verse three, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your, to your own interests, but also the interests of others. The supreme example of self-surrender is Jesus. And the night before his crucifixion, Jesus surrendered himself when he said, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what your will wants. So there's a blessing. I want you to know there's a blessing in surrendering your life to Christ. And when you surrender your life and we live a life of surrender to Jesus, there's some benefits. One of them is there's peace. Job chapter 22, verse 21, submit to God and be at peace with him. In this way, prosperity will come to you. you will, the, one of the benefits of surrendering your life to Christ is having peace peace in your life? Do you have a lot of conflict? Do you have a lot of stress in your life? Do you have a lot of relationship management issues? Do you have a lot of relationship issues in your life? I want to encourage you, if you submit yourself to God, you will be at peace. Trust him in your everyday life. Second thing is freedom. Look at uh, Romans chapter six, and you, you'll see these words. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves or you submit yourself or you surrender your life, you surrender your life to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves to the one you obey. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. 
You belong to Jesus. If you surrender to Jesus, you belong to Jesus, and he'll give you freedom from what other people think. And I know that trial, and some of you have it in different varying degrees. I have that approval addiction that I have to always get rid of. I'm always worried about what people think or say. But there's freedom in Christ when you surrender to him. When you surrender your life to Christ, you don't have to worry about all that. There's a freedom in that. There's a peace in it. Some of you as parents, this part of your life is driving you crazy because you're always either reliving through your, your children or you're stuck on what other people say. Be free. Surrender your life to Jesus. Be free of all that. Here's the third thing. There's power in surrendering to Jesus. That's a benefit of surrendering your life to Jesus. James chapter 4, verse 7. We read these words. Submit yourself or surrender yourself to God. Therefore, to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say, and he might flee from you. It might work out that you, no, it says, and he will flee from you. Whatever you're facing right now, submit to God and resist the devil. Do y'all remember when we talked about way back in the Old Testament, Joshua when he had this moment where he's the new leader and they approached Jericho and he's got this moment when he realized that he's got the biggest battle of his life and he had this encounter with God where he falls down and he worships and he surrenders his plans and he surrenders and, and this surrender led to an incredible victory. This is the paradox. This is the paradox. Victory comes through surrender. Victory comes through surrender. There is peace, there is freedom, and there is power in surrender. Surrender doesn't weaken you, it strengthens you. Surrender to God. You don't have to fear and worry about every other thing in life. I will warn you, when you decide to have a totally surrendered life, that decision will be tested. There's a guy named Bill Bright many years ago. He started this movement and uh, with staff virtually in so many countries around the world through these four spiritual laws uh, and through this other thing called the Jesus film, he showed this Jesus film to what many people guesstimate around four billion people there's also estimations that 150 million people have come to Christ as a result of that ministry. Why, and somebody once asked Bill Bright, why did God bless you so much with this? And Bill said this. He said, when I was a young man, I made a contract with God. I literally wrote it out and signed my name at the bottom of it. And it said this, from this day forward, I am a slave to Jesus Christ. And then he signed his name. That's quite a contrast. That's quite a contract, man. From this day forward, I am a slave to Jesus Christ. Are you a slave to other things in this world that you fear? 
Are you a slave to your own impulses? Are you a slave to what other people want or think? Surrender to your life to Christ. Have you ever signed a contract like that with God? I want to encourage you today. If you're still arguing and struggling with God over the right to do what you want to do in your life, I want to encourage you to surrender. I'm going to ask Elijah and Holly to come up right now. And I want us to take a moment, and I'd like for you as a dad, as a mom, as a student, as a grandparent today, to take this time as we start this week to surrender.